Welcome to Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. This power couple is building stronger marriages one day at a time. Talking about real issues on love, relationships, and marriage longevity. Let's break down the barriers and engage in healthy conversation with your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. Take a seat and buckle up because things are about to get real. Hey, 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 welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. With your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. I don't know how many there are of us, but I guess there's a lot. (laughs) So this week, we have a special guest in the studio with us. Yes, we have Elizabeth Polinski. Welcome, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. we are excited to having you as well. Thank you for being our guest. Yes, yes. So, Elizabeth, I guess from this point, we'll just call her Liz since we're old yeah. friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, Liz, <laughs> <laughs> tell our audience a little bit about you. Yeah, well, um, I'm a marriage counselor. And I, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia, and I'm also the host of the Communicate and Connect podcast for military relationships, uh, since military couples is really what I specialize in. Okay, so what made yeah. you go into the military couples? Oh, wow. Well, uh, so I'm a, I'm a Navy brat, so <laughs> I'll start with that. Okay. okay. I, uh, both, my, both my parents were Navy, so they were a dual, dual military couple. Okay. And for generations in my family back, we've got military, mostly Navy, but some people, you know, branched out <laughs> and then um, went broke somewhere else. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, my husband is, is Navy. And so I've just always really had a passion for working with the military. Even before I met my husband, I worked for the department of veterans affairs and, um, I just, yeah, I just really have a passion for working with military and veteran couples. So So you say working with the military, Mm -hmm. but working with the military is a little different than working with the military couples. So what made you zone in on couples, not necessarily kids or just families? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So I think it, it first stemmed with my work at the VA because so many veterans that I had worked with had gone through divorces, um, multiple, like multiple marriages that had ended. They maybe have kids from different marriages. And a lot of them talked about how the decline of their relationships while they were in the military really contributed to their mental health um, problems that they were experiencing. Um, So I thought, well, maybe I can help prevent some of that. Okay. Um, the naive part. I mean, well, I'm young. I want to help everyone. Okay. No, right. I mean, I'm in, right. I'm in it in a good sense, though. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you see a need and you want to help. Right, right. I mean, yes. in a good sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the research says that it, it trickles down. So if yes. my marriage is positive, it trickles down to my kids. Whereas okay. if my marriage is kind of on the rocks, that also trickles down to my kids. So by helping a couple be solid together, I'm helping the entire family. So how was your parents? Was it so even with working with the with the veterans, 
Was it something that was a little bit further back? Or something, yeah, or something that you might have saw that triggered right. to say, Same. I want to change this in other family dynamics. Right, or even in mine. Yeah. Seeing your own parents. Yeah, yeah. so my parents divorced when I was really young. Okay. Um, okay. And, okay. and my dad has, is one of those veterans with multiple marriages and multiple divorces. And that gotcha. has okay. been hard to see. Um, so, yeah, there is a very personal component okay. that okay. has impacted my life from it for sure. So yeah. did it give you when you um, through the years growing up and knowing that your dad had previous marriages, did you think that it would ever impact your marriage or how you view marriage in the future? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In a scary way, actually, because um, uh, people who come from divorced families are statistically more likely to be divorced. And uh, that is terrifying to me personally. Right. I really I, I understand. Um, I can there are a lot of good reasons for divorce. And yes. I and I don't think I think divorce is the right option for a lot of couples at different times and they can go on to have really fulfilling second marriages and, and so on and so forth. I just know that for me personally, I really wanted to be very intentional about picking a partner the first go around mm-hmm. and yeah. try to try to minimize the risk, knowing that myself, I'm at an increased risk for divorce. So what about your husband's parents Did you, when picking a partner that you Mm -hmm. put that into the equation? Um, I'm no, not, not so much that, um, his parents are separated. Um, they're technically not divorced, but I don't, they've, they're not together. (laughs) <laughs> they're in a gray area right, right? She's, like, she's, she's, she's thinking she doesn't want to right. say she's like, like i don't, yeah, I don't get kinda, it like they're not they're together kinda right? kinda whole area. <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah but that was not um as big of a concern for me i i know my husband has a lot of strengths okay that um that make him a, a good partner and i think it had more to do with how he felt secure in his relationships um, with his parents that mattered more to me. So this this kind of goes into attachment styles. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. okay. So, so you so, talked so, about that before. Or do you, no, no. So if you want to go perfect, ahead, yes. we'll just just okay. zoom us right in. So A perfect lead in. <laughs> so, okay. so now we're gonna go into this this whole um, your arena of how you think in couples and things like that. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, science lesson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this science one on one. Now this is the relationship science, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, relationship science. So, um, relationships are based on attachments. So this is sort of a evolutionary concept that we need to attach to significant others in order to survive. Okay. Uh, being being in a group and having connections will help me not get killed by a warring tribe or eaten by a tiger type of thing. Okay. And so the first, the first people that we connect with are our parents. And if they are consistently feeding us there for us, when we cry, 
helping us with our emotional needs, then that tells me that I have value and that I can count on people to be there for me. And so I develop a sense of security, knowing that I can really count on someone else. And that is something that I think my husband got from his family. Okay. Um, Yeah. Whereas uh, me, on the other hand... (laughs) Um, you I didn't quite get that. <laughs> I didn't get that in the same way. I have okay. I have wonderful parents, and they they right. are great. You know, they did the um, best they could do. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, but for for whatever reason, sometimes mm-hmm. parents are not able to meet their kids' needs, and that can happen for really good reasons. It doesn't make them bad parents. Absolutely. But on the child side, they can get the message that. I'm I'm either not valuable or I can't uh, can't count on someone to be there for me. And then they develop an insecure style. And there are a few different types of insecure styles, but at the core of it it just means I'm not sure I can really trust intimate relationships. And so for me, it was more important to find somebody who had a more secure attachment style. Um because someone who has a secure attachment style can actually help somebody who's insecure feel more secure. Okay. Okay. So, and the work that I do in couples therapy is about helping couples feel secure together, even if both of them had an insecure attachment style growing up. So when you're doing the research and how do people recognize that they have an insecure style. Yeah, there are there are a few tests that you can do that can okay. can tell you this. One of um I forget what it's called at the moment, but there's also one that has like paragraphs and people can kind of self-identify. Okay. Okay. Um the most one of the most common ones is um an anxious attachment style. And the other common one is an avoidant attachment style. So let's see. Tell me more about the anxious attachment style. Yeah. So on the anxious side, that at deep down at a core level, I feel maybe not good enough. Okay. And I think my partner might leave me if I don't, if I'm not perfect in some way, if I'm not skinny enough (laughs) or pretty enough. Or um, make enough money or uh, men. uh, I was kind of using a, maybe that's more of a concern for females, uh, body image and things. Mm, Men men probably do that too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 it does go both ways. If I'm not Um, muscular enough or men feel that. If I'm not showing that I'm so strong enough where I can protect her or whatever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What I hear a lot from men is, can I provide? Am I providing enough? Which, is that society is that society pressure that I think providing? so. Okay. I yeah, think I think go ahead. No, Tina, you go for it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I was just gonna say I, not only it's society, but I think it's because like you said early on when you were explaining it, the tribal, right? So the men, mm-hmm. you know, just our image of what it was in prehistoric days, then including the Bible, where the Bible tells, yeah. you know, the man to be the provider. So I think it's just um an interpretation that society has taken on that just kind of evolved to the man is supposed to provide. And if you can't, then you're a failure. Right. Sort of like that. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it still is pushed in our society now, just the way gender roles are sort of people are socialized into gender roles. Absolutely. Their families through media and and the military, the military pushes a gender role uh, as well for what it is supposed to be like to be a man and to be a strong Mm -hmm. man and to be Mm -hmm. a military person, even even when I work with um, women who are the service member of a couple, or if it's mm-hmm. a dual military couple, it still is a very masculine environment with the more masculine value system that wow. pushes um, pushes that strong writer type of don't fail, don't be weak thing. Yeah. So do you find that because of that in the military, specifically dealing with military couples, Mm -hmm. that um, it's really hard to um, counsel them or help them because of that exterior? You don't be weak Weak, because if you're setting your mind, I can't complain. I can't. And you can't be vulnerable either. Or I can't talk about my feelings. And if we don't like, you know, because one society doesn't talk about how to succeed as couples. Right. So we're, we're really not being taught what couples entail, how to succeed in being in relationships and then making marriages last. But on top of that, now you have the pressure of being in the military and not showing weakness, whether you're male or female. <laughs> so yeah. do you find that's an extra barrier to go through? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. 100%. <laughs> um, 100%. I feel like I'm often having to undo some of the (laughs) acculturation that happens in the military to help couples be vulnerable with each other, because that's what marriage requires, right? It requires that I, I can be weak with my partner, right? That they can be close to me. Um, I'm sure that's really hard. Yeah. That's gotta be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. When you're supposed to be so what a weak couples, and a leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to be strong. not a, a well, leader, right, right, right. So are they usually open to that? And I say that, let me make it more well, clear. Let, let me say this. Is that one of the main barriers when you first sit down with a military couple is to just get them to shed some of that strongness and, and leadershipness that they could, if that's such a word, that they could <laughs> just be themselves in their relationship? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's maybe not the first conversation that I have, but it is always on my mind because a lot of, especially with the military, even my time off is the military. (laughs) Even my social life is the military. military. And, um, so it's, it's a whole way of being in the world and thinking thinking about the world and I have to help them see how they can't place the same thought process for how they are with their friends and their workplace into the marriage. And, and then even with their kids, because right. I start with the marriage and then it trickles down to the kids. kids. Often it, it, you know, it doesn't work for family relationships. Okay. So just, just curious. I know you're you're fascinated with the military because it's mm-hmm. it's a family thing. Did you think you were going to marry military? Or did you did, oh, was uh, it strongly suggested to you? <laughs> no, it wasn't pushed. It wasn't pushed. Um I was just always drawn 
uh, drawn to the military. I've, I had a couple of military partners before I met my husband that I dated, but it was never pushed on me. But I have lived in uh, towns where there is a okay. high military population. So okay. when I did my undergrad, there was a huge army base there. There was an army base where I did my master's program. And so subconsciously you were, just, you were you were finding places that there were military bases <laughs> you were like yeah well I, go, I, I tried no. to join myself oh, did you? <laughs> I tried to join the military myself as a therapist um they didn't want you let me know it was a I'm little more complicated it was, so, <laughs> it was a little bit more complicated they um they yeah it's a longer <laughs> story it's just a longer story they would okay. probably take me now okay. um but at the time, I didn't have um, the the license that is required. Right. Oh, and oh, then okay. when I had the license, I was already hired by the VA. So, okay. Okay. You know. okay. So would you switch at this point? Prob- you mean like go into being mm-hmm. active? active. Military. Yeah. Active. No, I, I've thought about it. And my husband and I have talked about it. But we um, didn't want to be a dual military couple. Okay. So. Okay. 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 Yeah, if he ever gets out, then I might get in, but we'll see. Okay. okay. Interesting. So, so explain to us some of the things that um, you're finding in relationships and couples that you're actually helping them with. That if a military, <clears throat> that if a military couple, if they're listening or a military family, and because the pressures of the military brings its own added weight yes. to the marriage. Yes. And if we're not knowing how to communicate or how to do these things, or even that we need to seek help, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes we think it's normal just to argue and, and not be happy in marriages. That's kind yeah. of like, right? So, Especially if that's what you've seen. Right. So, yeah. or, or that's what people think. That's yeah. what society thinks. After a few years, you're not going to be happy anyway. So this right. is the so, most of marriage. Right. So what are some of the things that you see that people can kind of be aware of you know, just kind of tell us your whole works and how it can really help people, you know. In and out of the military? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out where's the best spot <laughs> right, to start. Right. Um, I know. Anywhere. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. My, my thought pattern, but that's that, that's that five things going on in our head at one five time. at the same time. Um, I think the, the first thing, regardless of if you're military or non-military, is understanding that couples get into a cycle. There's sort of a system uh, to our relationship and how we communicate. And it it keeps itself going because all systems want homeostasis. So um, the mo- a really common one that really relates to a lot of fights is a criticize, defend type of cycle. So if okay. I get critical, then you get defensive. I take your defensiveness as critical and then I get defensive. And now we're both in this defensive posture together. That's a really common pattern. And that is a pattern that we want to change. And when you change that pattern, you can feel closer together and you can have a happier marriage because it's that pattern that's actually driving a wedge between the two people. Okay. Yeah. Well, you said you go ahead. So you said when they can do what to the to the pattern? Change the pattern. So yeah. how do they how do we do that? Yeah. So um so in this cycle, there are a couple of other 
cycles or, or patterns. But in this one, anger is kind of the primary emotion that is being expressed in this criticize, defend loop. Anger is usually a secondary emotion. It is possible for it to be a primary emotion, but it's usually a reaction to me feeling hurt or me feeling scared. So, um, me feeling unloved. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And that's the level of the conversation that couples have to get used to having is saying just now when you said that, I thought you were rejecting me and I felt really unloved. When I can switch to that conversation, that's when I can develop intimacy with my partner, when we can both talk on that level. And that's where the vulnerability piece comes back in. I have to be willing to, willing and able. Some people aren't quite yet able Absolutely. to even recognize their emotions or be able to talk about that. And that's how therapy can help. But um, willing and able to be vulnerable together uh, in order to switch the conversation to that place. So I noticed you said therapy. Is there a difference between therapy and counseling? Because you, you're oh. not a counselor, right? You're a therapist. Yeah, they for most people, it's interchangeable. In okay. in our modern day, mm-hmm. there are there is a slight difference in the field. Okay. Um, but for for the public, it's pretty interchangeable. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what are you seeing um, outside of the military couples for regular um, everyday couples? Um, what is some of the main hurdles that they need to get over? Is it this first uh, layer that you just mentioned about the whole communication? Is that the number one thing that people need to overcome? I would say so. Yeah. Every couple has a pattern. It's not always the criticize defend pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a, uh, I'm trying to engage you and you shut down. And the more you shut down, the more I try to engage you. And the more I engage you, the more you shut down. Mm-hmm. That's a pattern. Um, and some couples have where we're both sort of shut down and neither one of us is talking about issues that we feel are happening in the marriage. And that one is less common, but it just sort of, we grow more and more distant over time because nothing gets talked about. So figuring out what your pattern is, is probably the first step. Um, And that, that can vary couple by couple, but pretty much every couple has a pattern. And about how many patterns is it? Do you do you have a, like a number of different patterns that you can uh, give a um, that you work by, or is it just like you have a couple patterns and you either fall in A or B? Those those are the primary three. Um, can you can you give them to me again? Yeah, yeah. So maybe we could say attack, attack, okay. which is this criticize, defend place. Okay. Um, the second one is called pursue withdraw where I'm trying to engage you and you shut down. Uh, and then the other one is withdraw withdraw where we're both kind of shut down, not talking about emotions. Okay. Those are the primary three. So withdraw withdraw is you in trouble because you go, no one's talking, right? You go in the opposite direction. So Mm -hmm. back to the military. Cause I know 
a lot of marriages, like you said, they they're arguing over things that probably really don't pertain to their marriage. It's probably the stress of the job. Sure. Right. So how do you get them to see or recognize that the anger or the um, anxiety or whatever's causing us to argue is not really about the marriage, but you're bringing it home? So is that an issue in, in kind of helping people recognize that, you know, what are we really arguing about? Yes. Yeah. And there are, I think there are multiple layers to that. So okay. anytime that I have um, a, a poor work-life balance, okay, I pull resources from the marriage, sort of mm-hmm. emotional resources from the marriage to handle my work stress. Okay. And that can lead to more tension and more kind of exhaustion in the marriage and then then more conflict and sort of like a push for something needs to change um and so that is an element of people needing to work on a work-life balance which can be especially challenging in the military depending on your job um Another component of that is if there's untreated mental illness. Okay. So if there is an anxiety disorder or a depression or um, PTSD or something like that, that can mean that I'm str- maybe maybe I'm more uh, sensitive to something in my environment. I get triggered more easily, and so then even with my spouse, I get triggered more easily than I would if that wasn't happening. Um, and then I would say there is a component where it is still about the relationship. So if I'm arguing about, uh, the dishes or the laundry or something like that, <laughs> it may, everybody argues about these things, right? right. <laughs> well, I'm sure you, I'm things. sure you don't, right? You guys just got married 2019. Yeah. Like there's, we did get married in 2019. Yeah, no, we argued the dishes are a sensitive <laughs> subject for me and we argue about the dishes. Well, join the club. So you guys didn't get that straight before you said I do, huh? (laughs) Who's going to do the dishes? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, see, this is, so this is a good example of what I mean. So, um, like that is a real sensitive spot for me based off of my childhood with my family. Uh See, Uh, exactly, exactly. Okay. And so now in my marriage, dishes I see dishes and I start getting anxious really (laughs) okay yes because of how just how I grew up and the dishes situation (laughs) and um and so then I get more irritable which then of course comes off as critical right? right and now we're in this pattern but it's more about my anxiety when I see the dishes. The dishes. Mm-hmm. Recognizing what's your trigger. What's your trigger. So yeah. I know we had a specialist on that was talking about several different layers um, mm-hmm. about healing from childhood wounds. You know, right? Healing from your childhood, whereas your parents playing a part in the type of relationship that you have or even not really recognizing what some of our triggers are, like you said, but the dishes for you for one. You know, okay. Oh, yeah. So. So the dishes were not an issue for him. Is that, is that right? He, um, he doesn't have any problem leaving them in the, in the sink, does he? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He feels very comfortable with them. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I don't see. I don't see what the but, problem might be. So, I don't but know. but I say that because then it leads to the other thing that Jason and I talk about, which is, um, like talking about marriage before you get married, right? So, yeah. our idea of marriage is, oh, I've found a mate. Yes. We're gonna be happy. We're never going to argue. Nothing's going to bother me. And then you get married, and then you realize we're arguing over dishes, right? Which is part of the let's talk about marriage topic that we're talking about. Trying to get couples to understand that the happily ever after only happens if if we are if we're doing something towards the happy. Right. Right? Because we're we're all triggered by something. And I know it's funny that you mentioned the dishes. I mean, and we and we all have childhood wounds. We do. And we all have extensions of our parents or things that we may not have um understood as a child that we're now carrying into our relationships as a, as an adult. Yep. Right. So how do you tell them to get that balance? I know you talk about work, home, family balance. What are you telling people? You know, how are you helping couples to relate with that balance? Yeah. So I think, um, if I could, uh, backtrack slightly to what Mm -hmm. you said about, kind of talking about this before you get married. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes it's really hard for couples to know, even when Absolutely. they're very intentional. A lot of couples aren't, aren't intentional. They never have conversations like this, but a lot of them are very intentional and they may try to have conversations, but it's hard to know what triggers might come up until right. you face them. Right. Um, so I think one of my favorite things for couples to try to have this balance is to do a regular relationship check-in meeting okay. where they cover different aspects of their relationship. So okay. whether that's the quality time, like how are you feeling about quality time? How am I feeling? That could be around um, finances, which is a big, uh, yes. another yes. conflict point. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Sex also is another conflict Absolutely. point. Yes. So, and parenting, so we, you know, just life, just much, just throw yeah, your life you, in you all of the pain points, <laughs> right, here. right, oh. right. Kids, right. money, yes. sex, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having uh, we, my husband and I, we do it monthly. Um, so just where we like sit down and we go through all of these areas and we see how we're both feeling. If there's something we want to do differently, like. Right now, we're experimenting with a chore chart. <laughs> so, Are the dishes at the top of that chore chart? <laughs> chore, well, chore chart. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we are experimenting. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this. When you guys were dating, did you go over to his place and see the dishes? And then you cleaned them up? Like how, and I ask that because let's, how do, how do dating, what did you see as a pattern that, that he did that didn't bother you then? That oh, now bothers no, he, you. His um, <laughs> his standard of cleanliness was different than mine, okay. and I knew that from the beginning. Okay, <laughs> exactly okay, right. Wonderful. I knew that from the beginning. Um, yeah, and he, you know, there are areas where he's really great at, and I'm sure you're married to him. Absolutely. Yeah. I would hate to say that he's terrible yeah. all the way across the board, <laughs> and then you're still married. Him. Yeah, no, even. I mean, even in cleanliness, like some mm-hmm. areas are he's stronger at than others. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So, so again, going back to when you dated him, what were your thoughts? If, if things weren't 
as tidy as you would have liked when you came over. And I'm uh, going somewhere with yeah. this. I know you think. <laughs> uh, well, I guess my first reaction is this is kind of gross. <laughs> that would have been my, my initial reaction to this. Um, Liz, I hope. Yeah. What's your husband's name? Justin. <laughs> hope Justin doesn't watch this episode. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's going to say, he's going to turn and go, really, Liz? Gross. <laughs> so I yeah. say that. I say that because part of being real in relationships to me in a marriage is that we actually recognize um, the things that we that we were willing to overlook while dating. Yes. But now it's an issue in marriage. And it's not you just gave the perfect example. But my point in that is kind of expressing to people that when you say I do the marriage part, that's when life kind of gets real. Right. So you're together. And now the things that were gross, we now have to tackle because um, when we were dating, that was your issue or or we were willing to overlook it because right. we weren't married. So we don't, as you said, right. we don't we don't really talk about those things prior to marriage. And I think if we kind of um, be a little bit more upfront and honest while the dating, hey, you know, how are you going to do this if we get married? Yeah. You know, just kind of trying to eliminate. Some issues. Or just say what's some of the things that um, trigger you. Like, you know, this is my pet peeve. I don't like when you do this, you know, or this kind of bothers me when you do that. But we don't really have those conversations. If it's not too, I'll say this, if it's not too bad, you'd be like, I don't want to bring it up because the relationship is going good moving in the right direction. I don't want to be saying, well, you know what? I really don't like the way you do this. Or I Um, guess I'm I'm really trying to say is that um, sometimes we have, not you, not you and Justin, not at all. I'm not talking about you guys. But sometimes we have issues because, we think in our minds once we get married, those issues that we have dating well, are well, not going to be an all issue. Right, all right, yeah. right. So we're kind of we're kind right. of um, sugarcoating them, and then once we get married, oh, he's not going to do this anymore, and he or she's not going to do that, and then it becomes more of a trigger point because it's something that has always bothered you, but you were willing to overlook it in the dating phase. Right. Now you're married, and it has become an issue. So I guess I'm just trying to get couples to understand that. Some yeah. of these trigger points in marriages, mm-hmm. if we tackle there. them right. And and I think that's a good point. Where, like Jason said, a lot of people don't want to rock the boat because they're afraid. Well, if I tell them, then we won't get married. Then we will break up. But that just makes a stronger marriage to me. Yes. Yeah. And even that is a sign of insecurity. I'm okay. I'm scared to yes. assert okay. my wants and needs because I'm afraid you won't really be there for me if I okay. share what is Wonderful. going on inside. Um, Wonderful connection. Okay. Yeah. And it gets, it gets even more complicated sometimes with military couples. Like, so with me and my husband, we met when I, when I was working in Pensacola at the VA and we, I don't know, dated like something like nine months or something. And then he moved here to Virginia and we were long distance for a year and a half, maybe before I moved here. And so even that, you know, I'd, I'd come visit every month or he would come visit me, but he would always clean, you know, before I got there. <laughs> he, he had a whole month, right? Yeah, he had a whole I'll month be there next clean. week. And uh, yeah, so I mean. Smart so, man. Yes. <laughs> so also, this is something that that is pretty common 
yes, for military yes. couples before they get married to be long distance for a period of time. Okay. Um, and that makes it more challenging because things are not always, um, you know, you don't see everybody in their day to day life as much when, yes. when you're visiting. Like right. That. Mm-hmm. So I know I was speaking with a young couple uh, not too long ago and I was telling them, I, me personally, I'm against um, living with someone before you get married. Right. Yeah. Be- and, and the, and the reason has nothing to do, you know, my point is that because of like what you said, now you guys are going over the chore list. My reasons for saying that is that when you live with someone, you get to see their in and outs and you may, you may decide not to marry them afterwards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, when you get married, it should be a journey of discovery. Right? Yeah. So, right? <laughs> so, but if you live with them, then you, um, it becomes. Yep. All your dirty laundry is right out yeah, there. Yeah. You get yep, to know it. Everything. You don't like it. Or you, you've are before you get married, you've already sta- established that pattern, right? That yes. we have to then get rid of. Whereas I think if you're married, you may work, work on it a little bit more as opposed to if you're dating. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. I, I want to touch on one thing. I want to talk on. I think she was going to say something. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Say, Liz. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. So <laughs> there is research to support what you're talking about, Tina, because, it, but it really comes down to is the commitment to the relationship there. So even okay. for couples who don't get married, but they are committed to each other, then that's, that's fine. They can navigate that and living together. Um, but it's the couples who aren't committed, who are, like this is a trial run to see if we want to get married. <laughs> Those are the right. ones that's, that, probably, that's probably what it is on some of them, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> For a lot of couples it is. And that um that tends to not go well for for eventually getting married. Married. It's yeah. better to have the commitment uh to each other and then navigate it because couples are are less likely to really problem solve together and be wanting right. to improve things if the level is not there. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, that that's kind of what I say. I think, I think part of marriage is um, kind of learning each other. Yep. That's the fun part. Yeah. Fun, Navigating but, life fun, together. Fun, but not so fun. Well, you know what, if you're right. into it for the long haul, if you really want to get into your marriage and, and really discover pe- it and well, you know what, people get married for various different reasons, right? They that get married because they are supposed to get married because society says that you're supposed to get married so you can start a family and all this other stuff. And have no clue about what marriage exactly. is really about. And I'm not, I'm not really into the other person. Look, I'm married. I'm committed. It's legal. We're, you know, I'm done. That's, that's it where people are invested in their marriage and want to see it prosper and want to really dive into it and see how they can make it better. But I want to talk on workplace stressors. Okay. Namely combat. How do military families deal with a loved one in the, in combat and still try to keep the family together? That's gotta be, I mean, that's being away, right? uh, uh, Yeah. yeah. Really being deployed. Wow. While while they're deployed or after they've come back, and they've experienced combat. Both. Which one, both. Yeah. Both. Whichever one you want to tackle. Right. Both are hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Both yes. are hard in their own way. I mean, yeah, I guess I have I have lots of thoughts. Um, so during deployment, it's really normal for the family to feel very anxious about their service member being gone and being deployed and even more so if they are in a combat area 
And um, that is, I guess, again, you know, I'm a therapist or a counselor and obviously I'm biased. I think it's the best thing in the world. Um, (laughs) And I think that that could be helpful, but I have to, I do have to find a way to calm myself, manage my anxiety and um, to navigate that uh, while they're gone. The, and it's normal for everybody when the partner comes back to experience stress. There's like an initial honeymoon phase, but the family right. has been used to functioning without the other person. Other person. Yes. So okay. now they have to reorganize their entire routine to make room for the spouse to participate Joy-based. again yes. in all of yeah. the family activities. So that is a normal stressor for for pretty much every military couple um, coming back from deployment. Uh, now, if they have experienced combat, um, not everybody has PTSD, but they may mm-hmm. have um, an initial period. So when anybody experiences a traumatic event, whatever it is, they experience the symptoms of PTSD for a short period of time. Um, a lot of people naturally recover but that is the normal response to a traumatic event. It's okay. when they have difficulty recovering. It's kind of like grief in a way. Yeah. <laughs> if okay. it's okay. prolonged, right. if it's prolonged and they can't sort of move on, then it becomes PTSD. Okay. And that is where PTSD is completely treatable. Um, the research in the science that we have on treating PTSD at this point Nobody needs to live with PTSD anymore. Okay. The The treatments are so strong for it. Wonderful. Uh, not that it's not still a horrible thing that you had to experience, right. but you don't have to have the nightmares, the anxiety in public places, the depression, all of that can be worked on. So how do you get couples to actually actively participate? Because it's a stigma around it. People think that getting therapy or getting counseling is a negative thing, or they don't realize that we really have an issue in our marriage. <clears throat> so how do you get people to actively, you know, seek it out? You know? Yeah. Well, I, this is another reason why I wanted to do couples counseling because okay. with military, because a lot of the military members, they won't go to therapy because of the stigma. But they might go to couples counseling, which is a little more acceptable than individual therapy in the military, right? They're, again, that kind of more very family-oriented culture for the military. It's it's not me. Mm -hmm. It takes takes the pressure off saying, I need help, as opposed to, well, we're just going to, okay. Yeah, and it can be a good intro to therapy. Um, And then if I think something more is going on, I have the ability to address it with the within the couple and discuss it with them okay so how do you um how do you make how do you bring about the awareness because i think part of part of couples suffering or um not really living to the full potential of being a couple is not knowing where to go or what to do or if we should so how do you make it you know make people more aware of it or what are you doing to promote it? I guess I, I'm trying to ask. Yeah. In the military. In the military. Yeah. I think that is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge overall that I think 
uh, is just facing the military and military families on a more personal level. What I'm trying to do is I have my podcast Mm -hmm. and um, I really started that because I wanted to help couples who maybe their partner is like, no, I'll never go to counseling. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. They can get something. Um, But also because there aren't very many couple therapists who are really specializing in working with the military. And so, and there's only one of me. (laughs) So so if I have my podcast, you know, I can share it with people. Yeah. And I know Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who, um, like, so one of the things for therapists is I can't work with anybody who is in my circle. So anybody who works with my husband, I can't work with any of them. Okay. Yeah, but I know a lot of them listen to my podcast and that and they like it and they're finding it helpful. So wonderful. Um, Good. Yeah. So that is what I'm trying to do. And then in the next couple of like probably next year and the next two years, I'm gonna be focusing more on doing couple workshops because while maybe maybe because of the stigma of counseling, mm-hmm. that may be too big of a a barrier. Right. right. But a workshop is more acceptable. Um, right. Or going on a going on a couple's retreat, which is another thing that I'm going to try to work on for military families. Um, it's a way of of working on the relationship, but also kind of like a vacation type of thing type of to thing. feel more right. um, just a lower barrier to entry. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so back to the chores list. So how are you guys? <laughs> You thought you were gone, right? Like, oh, darn it. So how are we working through that? And I'm using that as a good example because if we put ourselves out there to let people uh-huh. know, hey, because nobody's perfect. No. Right. Like every, Everybody's if, going if, through if something. We, once we get inside in front of the camera, it's one thing. But once we turn it off, it, there's there's going to be issues because we're people. We're human. You know, we're each an individual. So trying to just help couples kind of, okay, let's. Let's you're not take the only one, one going through this. Yeah, right. let's take let's with. take this right. one problem one day at a time. So, yeah. how are you guys? What is helpful in you tackling? Because it may be dishes for you. Uh-huh. It may be clothes or plate Shoot. for somebody else. Plate. <laughs> I thought we were gonna get past the podcast without you mentioning the plate, but we can't get past. <laughs> See, when you said dishes, I knew right away that plate gonna come up because I got a bad habit of leaving a plate in the on the way to the garbage can. It doesn't make it to the garbage can. So, yeah. The yeah. garbage can is here. <laughs> yeah. The plate is right here. Yeah. Like literally. So, but so even <laughs> it's so funny, but you know, it doesn't bother me anymore. I just like to tease them with it. Right. But right. So, so it's, it's going to be some type of issue. So how are we tackling that one thing at a time? Yeah. Right? Okay. So I, so for us, what we're doing, um, we experiment. So in our, in our monthly meetings, we come up with a plan, but then when we have the next meeting, we talk about, is this working or not? Do we want to modify it? Um, so currently around the dishes, it's that every night before we go to bed, dishes go in the dishwasher and okay. we can run it if it's full. And then in the morning, one of us will empty it. That's one thing that we're trying right now. So <laughs> is it is it one of us or do we have a sign like you were supposed to take the dishes out. No, I thought you were going to do it. So is it an assignment yeah. who takes it out? Well, well, I took them out three mornings in a row. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, so it's usually me. I'm fine with taking them out, but if I'm in okay. a rush, he'll, he'll do it. Um, yep. And 
And we're also using a block schedule. So we have sort of a calendar that says, this day these chores are done, this day these chores are done, this day these chores are done, and we've divided them between us. So okay. um, that is the other thing we're experimenting with right now. Um, on a more personal level, like on an individual level, mm-hmm. it's me recognizing that it's my trigger that it's yes. not my husband being lazy it's not him um out out to get me and make my life miserable right it's, right and he's not a bad guy it's my right. trigger so me working mm-hmm. on my own stuff that comes up and trying to have more compassion and what you talked about tina um you tease Jason now <laughs> so yes. about the dish. That is uh, that's where couples want to get to is where they can have humor around that. That's a sign of the Gottman's um, at the Gottman Institute do a lot of research on, on couples and sort of like the master couples can okay. have a lot of humor around these types of differences. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. But it just takes time to get there. Yes. But um, it was something you said, just um, owning your own stuff, though. Yes. I think that's the biggest issue that people don't stop each individual. I know I always say um, I like to put myself in the other person's shoes. So if something if something is bothering me, I have to stop and say, OK, really, why is it bothering me? Is it is it what this person really did or is it something within me that it's making it bigger than what it should be? So I think owning our own stuff and first of all, recognizing it. Lots of times That's we, the we don't, thing yeah, we don't, yes. we, we don't want to put our name on, on our bad laundry. Right. Nope. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you, so what do you think about that when couples can't communicate because neither one of them are actually owning it up. And so the communication lines are really blocked because as you said, those patterns, so I'm not hearing you, whether I'm, getting defensive or I'm shutting down or I'm just not dealing with it. How do we reopen something really simple and easy that couples can do to just try to open back up those lines of communication? Yeah. Well, I, I guess self-reflection is sort of the first thing because I can't, I can't change my relationship if I don't recognize my part in it. And okay. recognize my what gets triggered inside of me, because when okay. I get triggered, if I react defensively, like it's it's a push pull. If I react mm-hmm. this way, it will pull for my partner to respond to me that uh, in a Absolutely. defensive way. And so, um, yeah, it is. It is hard. to. That is a hard thing, right? How do you get someone <laughs> who doesn't self-reflect to self-reflect? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I guess, you know, it, when they end up in my office, I can talk about, oh, do you guys <laughs> see this pattern? <laughs> yeah. And I can kind of help them with it. <laughs> do you ever hear a couple say, well, I'm not doing anything. It's all so, her. Yep. All yeah, the time. It's all him. All the time. All the time. Because <laughs> we're fine. It's the other person. Right. Yeah. I don't have an issue with it. Yes. She's always complaining or she's always nitpicking or you know so so what what do you tell them yeah well i help my first step is to help them understand that it's a cycle that okay that they uh what they do is is um 
pulling for that response from their partner. So the thing that they don't like about their partner, uh, their partner is also in reaction to them. Uh, they are part of the reason their partner is doing what they're doing. And that can be a hard <laughs> right. pill to swallow sometimes. Yes, yes, um, yes. But that is a really important part. Um, yeah, I think most people who are, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people who are coming to therapy who or who are reading books, listening to podcasts, this podcast included, are probably in the self-reflection camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Those who are are not so much interested in self-reflection. I'm not really sure <laughs> what happened. how to reach them. Huh? Yeah. So I know you're still early in your marriage. So you guys got married in 2019. So you just made two years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2020 was right? a year. Okay. Yeah. 2020. So she's fantastic in science. Yeah. I noticed when she said we're, at- we're now working. It's like they have this, the science <laughs> marriage. It's, let's go through a hypothesis yeah. and then we're going to try to do this. So I see you're very science oriented, okay, but yeah. math, I don't know. I thought they were related, but yeah. your math skills made me a little work. My math skills are horrible. Yeah. I'm not good. That's my weakest thing. Yeah. I can tell like two, two years. She's like, are you sure? Like, well, <laughs> yeah. And I had to just remind her, yeah, 2020 did happen. It was right. an actual year. That, that's the problem. Like yes. that 2020 yeah. is such a, it's Fog. like a, do we, it's like a, do we really count that type of thing? We didn't do anything. So does, does it count? Because the last time you remember doing something, right, was in 2019. And you're like, is it two years already? Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. All of time is kind of a blur <laughs> in the last couple of years. <laughs> and thank God that we're not back on lockdown again because it would kind of be oh that would be detriment it would be kind of like that would be tough the headspace that we would be in you know especially young people but my point in saying that is that so i know you're still early in your marriage and you guys are still going through the the um hypothesis phase right is this working can we prove this theory Uh uh-huh right so but what is your take on happily married do you think that couples can be happy and married or do we have to choose? No, absolutely. Couples can be happy and married. Yeah, that is that comes from security. That okay. comes from feeling secure with my partner, knowing that I'm loved, knowing that they accept me, that they care, that they respect me. And that is the main goal of the first few years of marriage. That's when those patterns are being developed if they, if they weren't developed when you were dating. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's also when I really kind of figure out, do I feel secure with you or not? And um, if I can build security, then that is where that happens. That's how, how I can have a happy healthy, long-lasting marriage is based off of building security in the relationship. And if they don't have it, where should they start? Yeah, it it would require couples counseling for sure, just because okay. um, that that tends to be really hard for people to try to do on an individual basis. Um, but Bowlby, who was the John Bowlby, he's like the father maybe of attachment theory and attachment science. Um, He talked about how attachment bonds are dynamic and they're fluid and they can change over time. 
So okay. if I absolutely mm-hmm. if I'm coming in with a more anxious or avoidant style and I have secure interactions with my partner, I can move into a secureness with them in our marriage. And and vice versa. Like if I have uh the more conflict and the more um the more we're critical, um it can go the other way. I can lose security. The biggest ways people lose security are maybe like affairs and types of things that are really clearly relationship injuries. Um, But just like I can lose security, I can gain security. And it takes a few years of, of having a secure, secure interactions to build security. Um, But it is dynamic and it can be created. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and so for those, uh, one more question, uh, do you have any questions? I know I'm, I'm kind of, no, you just, you just killed the question category. Go ahead. Baby. <laughs> you got a lot of questions. Okay. All right. Well, a- ask all the questions. Cause I want my relationship to stay strong, baby. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, for the couples out there that, um, like you have one mate that absolutely does not want counseling or therapy or, um, the fear of other people knowing What's going on? What's going on? You know, people have that huge fear. Mm-hmm. So how, what should a mate do? Because, okay, you say, let's get counseling. They say no. Right. And then you say, well, maybe you should listen to this podcast. They's like, I don't listen to podcasts. Right. So, you know, how do, how do we get the one couple, even though they're owning their own, the one person in that relationship who, who really wants to work on it to kind of, um, kind of influence their mate? Yeah. So again, it it is a push pull. So let's say, um, I mean, there are books I could recommend. There's like an online workshop I could recommend. But if we're talking about a a couple where one partner is saying, I'm not going to do anything, nothing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right. So we we do have a lot of those because they don't. Because I'm fine. I'm I'm not the problem. They don't see or they don't see the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's a system, I I may never get to. the level of security that is op- optimal. Um, but it doesn't mean that I can't have significant improvement and that even working on myself. So if I can recognize, okay, I get critical when I feel hurt, then I can start working on that and I can go to my partner and instead of getting critical, I can say, okay, just now I felt really hurt. The more I can do that will you know, it, it pulls for a different response from my partner because Absolutely. I'm not yeah, good, yes. getting critical. They'll respond differently and we can change our pattern that way. It's hard for people to change themselves. It is. But do you, you know, have, you know, you mentioned uh, some books as far as reference. Do you have a, a couple that you could give the audience? Yeah. So Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson is probably the number one book that I would tell people to read. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, and that one is designed for uh, couples to read and kind of together. And there's discussion questions at the end of every chapter and you can, it helps you recognize what cycle you might be in um, for people who are really uh, interested in the science behind it. There's a book (laughs) called Love Sense also by Dr. Sue Johnson that would really go into the science behind attachment. Um, Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. And there are hold me tight workshops based on the book, which is 
all of this is based on the type of couple therapy that I do, which is emotionally focused couple therapy. Um, And there are, I mean, people all over the country host these workshops, um, but there is also like a recorded online version for for people who didn't want to be in a group setting. Wonderful. Wonderful. So if, for, before we get out of here, what's the one major advice that you would give couples, whether it's from your personal experience, whether it's from science, right? So something that is really tangible that they can, that you think is a good starting point, like, like a major gym. Yeah. Okay. Can I have two? Absolutely. Sure. Go yeah. ahead. You're an over right, right. Yeah. She can't well, stand the box of one. Right. I think of, they're connected. Yeah. It's uh, that science behind it. They yes. never do things in ones. No. Yeah. yeah. So the, I think the relationship meetings are, are okay. really important because it gives wonderful a chance for us to talk about things that we might want to avoid talking about naturally. And it can help me practice being more vulnerable about topics like sex or money without me having to um, face that that fear of bringing up the topic myself in the middle of dinner <laughs> or Wonderful. something. Right. 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 So, Absolutely. Um, so I think that that would be it. And then the second one would be. Um, I guess it's a multi phase one. <laughs> Pausing, pausing to self-reflect on my emotions and then trying to communicate from a more vulnerable place. Um, And that one is a little bit harder, takes more time to do. But that'll change the cycle. It'll change the dynamic. I think so, too. And we just think we're just trying to change the response that we get from our spouse. So. Or change the whole dynamics of the relationship so that we can kind of interact better. So we understand we're actually coming from a place of love instead of hurt. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But but the way I react, it's going to pull a different response from my mate. If I want a different response, I need to actually respond or interact with them differently. If I interact with them with more love, then I'm going to get a more loving and understanding response from them. Yeah. Yeah. About the plate. By the plate. Uh-huh. I'm, glad, I'm glad you got over that plate, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's fantastic. Those are some awesome. This is a wonderful conversation. We have yes. definitely enjoyed it. I've enjoyed and it. I, I'm, yes. Yeah. And hopefully we can have you on again yeah. as you do more research. And as we progress in your relationship, things that you may learn and want to share with us in the audience, we mm-hmm. definitely um, will invite you back on again. Yeah, yep. But I think that wraps up another well, ep. You have more nope. questions? Uh, no, she got to give me all the ways that all this good information she's given us. How do our lis- listeners find out more about you? Podcast, website, uh, Instagram, yeah. all that stuff. How do they Tell get us all about Liz. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So there's a lot there. So I have my podcast, which is really geared for military relationships, the communicate and connect podcast. Um, it's communicate and connect podcast.com. Kind of simple. Okay. Uh, yeah. I am on social media uh, at Liz Polinsky. Pick your social media. And that's, that's where I'm at. And then I do provide counseling. Um, right now I can provide counseling to anybody in Arkansas, South Carolina, or Virginia. And so, okay. uh, and I'm in person, so that would be telehealth. Obviously, if someone's in Arkansas, I'm not located there right now. I'm <laughs> I'm in, physically in Virginia. So okay. if someone wanted like an in-person counseling service, I'm at the Relationship Center in East Beach, Norfolk, Virginia. 
Wonderful, wonderful. So let me ask you one last question before we get out of here. Your relationship podcast, is it just for married couples or is it for people who may be in a relationship? Uh, People in a relationship. I try to cover um, military relationships as a whole. Uh, So like right now I'm doing kind of a series on premarital, um, like getting ready for marriage. And, uh, and then I'll probably do a section on like new parenthood and then kind of like taking us through the life cycle for, uh, in the developmental stages for a military couple. Um, but yeah, so it's any, anything military relationships, it is geared more towards couples, but I do cover things like parenting, but more so on how the couple can be a team in that area than than so much focusing on how to deal with kids or okay okay got you well this has been wonderful yes it has i think that wraps up another episode and as always we're we're in in it it to to win win it. it thanks for listening to this week's episode of loving beyond the i do podcast Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legendary Relationship or visit our website at LegendaryRelationship.com. Till next time, remember to make every day count.